everyone, and welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and first of all, I apologize for my absence in the last two weeks. I've been very sick, and I haven't been able to record anything, Um, but today I'm feeling well enough to do a short episode. It's not going to be too long, but I thought I would talk to you guys about the story of who I consider to be the fifth Beatle that not a lot of people really know, and I would even dare say not a lot of Beatles fans would really know him either, because not a lot was really talked about with this person. Um, However, I think they're a really integral part of the Beatles lore, especially when it comes to the early Beatles and then how they were after. Um, So today I'm going to talk to you about Stuart Sutcliffe, who I consider to be the fifth Beatle, and the tragic demise of Stu, because he was very young when he died. And I am just going to get right on into the story and tell you guys a bit about Stu and how he severely impacted all of the Beatles from such an early age and henceforth in their career. So Stu was actually born in Edinburgh, Scotland, And soon after his family moved to England, they settled in Liverpool. He was the oldest of three children. He had two younger sisters and his father was often away from home because he worked on cruise ships. So his father wasn't really around a whole lot. Stu was kind of the man of the house, so to speak. So he tried his best to keep a hold of the house. And Stu was kind of a quiet, shy kid. He didn't really venture out to be rebellious or anything like that. He was a good-natured kid. Um, He always loved art and he always loved music. And when he was old enough, he applied to the Liverpool College of Art where he went and underwent a lot of training for his paintings because he was a great painter. He was an actual avid painter. Um, He was very good, actually. And it was here that he would meet John Lennon. And obviously, that's how the story goes. Now, at this point in time, it's about 1957, 1958. At this point, John Lennon had already met Paul McCartney at the church fate in Liverpool when John was a part of his school band called the Quarrymen, which was just him and his school friends that were performing skiffle music and a little rock and roll music. They were very influenced by people like Buddy Holly and Elvis. Um, So that's the kind of music that they would do. So obviously, Paul and John met and Paul became part of the band. And so then after a point, George Harrison came on as well. Um, And then John Lennon, he left school. He left high school to go to the Liverpool College of Art because similarly to Stuart, John was also very prolific with his art. He would sketch all the time. He would make funny comic strips um, for the school newspaper at Quarry Bank and things like that. Um, So he thought going into art school was the next best thing because he didn't want to do anything else. And his aunt Mimi helped to get him a scholarship to go. So John Lennon and Stuart Sutcliffe, they were to meet at the Liverpool Art College. And what's interesting as well, John met his future wife, Cynthia Lennon, also at the Liverpool College of Art. So all three of them were to meet at this one particular point in time. Uh, John Lennon thought that his art wasn't particularly that great, but he thought that Stu had a marvelous art portfolio, according to him, and that he was a very talented painter who was one of the stars of the school. 
Like I said, Stuart was very introverted. He was very quiet. He was very shy. Not to say that he didn't get into any kind of ruckus or anything. He did at some point, but, you know, he usually kept to himself and he really dove headfirst into his art. He was maybe, I guess, what you would consider a beatnik, I suppose, where he was very all about art and creativity and imagination and letting that flow onto the canvas with paint. That was more so his medium was paint. And he actually would help John to improve upon his artistic skills and with others who worked with him when John had to submit work for exams at the college. So Stuart was one of the best at school. Everyone knew him to be really talented. He was actually so talented to the point where Stewart's artworks would actually sell big money to art collectors and investors and people that wanted to buy his artwork. And he was young. He was maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, and he was making a couple hundred dollars from selling some of his art to art galleries or people that wanted to buy his art. Um, He was really doing very well for himself. So he was making a name for himself in the art industry. Now, Stu had kind of a somewhat vague background with music. Like I said, he always liked music, but his prior musical experience mainly consisted of singing in the local church choir when he was a kid, playing the bugle in the air training corps, and his father having taught him some guitar chords in the past. Um, So it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything like John Lennon, whose mother taught him how to play the banjo with banjo chords, or Paul McCartney, whose father was a pianist and who had a musical family, or things like that. It wasn't anything crazy like that. So it came as a shock to Stu when one day, Paul and John were hanging out with Stu, and they convinced him to buy a Hofner model bass guitar with some of the money that he had got from selling one of his paintings. And again, like I mentioned, this was at the time where it was the early formation of the Beatles. It was John, it was Paul, it was young George. They were then known as the Silver Beatles. They weren't known as the Beatles yet, but this was the early incantation of the Beatles. Why don't you take some of the money that you made put it towards buying a bass. And it was mostly John that kind of persuaded Stu to buy the bass and then join the band because Paul, he was already the bassist. There was a little bit of friction between Stuart and Paul for the longest time because Paul and John were close friends, but more so than that, Paul was the bassist for the band. He wasn't really too thrilled that John was even more so persuading Stu to join the band. He said, why don't you join the band, get yourself a bass guitar? Stuart was very apprehensive about this because he knew he wasn't a good bass player. He didn't even know how to play bass. And they already had a bass player in Paul who knew what he was doing. And Stuart didn't want to step on any toes, but this is John Lennon's band. And if it's John Lennon's band, he can do whatever he wants to do. So he's like, listen, you're my best friend and I want you to join our group. And so as it would have it, Stu does end up buying a bass guitar and he does end up being the member, added member of the Beatles, the fifth member. This was around the time when they acquired Pete Best, the drummer, and this happened because the band, they were going to go to Hamburg that August and they didn't have a drummer. 
So they knew around the local Liverpool area of this kid named Pete Best because his mother, Mona, owned this coffee club called the Casbah Coffee Club. And this is one of the places where the Liverpool youth would hang out. They knew Pete was a good-looking kid. They knew that Pete knew how to play the drums fairly okay. They knew he wasn't the best drummer in the world, but they needed a drummer. And so with Stu on board and with all of them on board, they then went over to Hamburg to play. And this is how it all kind of came about because they didn't start out in Liverpool necessarily with trying to get a lot of gigs. They couldn't really get there. But they had their manager and Alan Williams who got them a lot of, let's just say, interesting spots over in Hamburg. And if you aren't familiar with Hamburg, it's in Germany. And especially back then, it was a very seedy area of Germany. It was kind of like a red light district. And so for these young kids, they were like very late teens, very early 20s to do this. It was very scandalous, but this was where they would get their foot in the door with how to perform to a club, how to perform to an audience, and what it felt like to be a band for the first time. Were they good? Not necessarily, because I think Pete brought them down. But also, again, Stu didn't know really how to play the bass. Paul would try his best to teach Stu how to play the bass, but Stu kind of had to learn on his own because, again, there was friction between Paul and Stu. And it was said, I don't know how accurate or true this is, because there's varying stories that kind of discredit each other. Some people say that Stu played with his back towards the audience because he knew he wasn't a good bass player. Some people say that this wasn't true. Some people say that Stu was very animated and lively and good-natured on stage. Some people say that he was very shy and very quiet and very aware of the fact that he was a not great bass player and that he turned his back to the audience. So whatever it is that you want to believe, the truth must be somewhere in the middle. So the fact of the matter is, though, the truth is in this moment, he wasn't a great bass player. So the Beatles weren't necessarily the best band, but they were an up-and-coming band. So what's actually kind of interesting about the Beatles and their time in Hamburg was Ringo Starr was actually there too at the same time with the band that he was with called Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, and he was the drummer for them. And a couple of times, Rory Storm and the Beatles played on the same bill, so the Beatles got to meet Ringo. Um, But that's like a side story because I'm obviously mentioning Pete Best in this story. What happened, the Beatles were there in Hamburg, for roughly 48 days, roughly around maybe two months, roughly. Um, Staying in a couple of different clubs and residencies in Hamburg. They would take uppers, they would take downers to be able to play the clubs at all hours to all different kinds of audiences. Some people liked their music, some people didn't like their music, but two people in particular really, really liked their music, which was Klaus Vormann, and Astrid Kirscher, and both of them were artists, and Klaus would go on to do some of the album artwork for the Beatles, and Astrid was a photographer, and it was said that when Astrid and Stu locked eyes onto each other, the first time that they met while Stu was on stage, it was like sparks flew, and time slowed down, and it was almost like the two couldn't stay away from each other. Astrid thought that Stu was a very attractive, handsome man. And I must say, it's very true. 
I would say Stu had a very James Dean quality to him, especially when he would start to wear his Ray-Ban sunglasses and he would gel his hair into like a kind of quiff that James Dean would wear at the time, um, which was in style. At the time, the whole quote-unquote teddy boy look was very in style, like leather and black and all that stuff. And then obviously Elvis would come into fashion with like the jeans and certain kinds of suits and things would be fashionable. Um, So at the time, that kind of quiffed hair was very, very in fashion. But because this was Germany, their fashion and their tastes were a little bit different, but she still thought that he was attractive. So she was a photographer. She took many pictures of the Beatles and of Stu. It's because of her that we have a lot of photographs of Stu in Hamburg. Um, So we have to thank her for that because without her, we wouldn't really know a lot of what Stu looked like, to be honest. So she took a lot of pictures of Stu and she actually styled Stu's hair down into a mop style haircut. And it was said that Astrid was the one that inspired the rest of the Beatles to adopt this kind of mop top haircut that they would later use in the future, which became very synonymous with the Beatles. And thereafter, which I think is really cool. So Stu was like her prodigy. Stu was like her muse to her. She was also kind of Stu's muse as well. They became so inseparable to the point where he started living with her and Astrid's family at her house. And they actually got engaged to each other very soon after meeting, which some people, some of Stu's friends and family thought, was very crazy that they would even do that. They had no idea that Stu would settle down, especially this quickly. Because at this time, Stu was about 20, so that's pretty young to settle down like that. But, you know, he knew. He loved her, and that's who he wanted to be with. And so as time kind of went on a little bit longer with the Beatles in Hamburg, a couple of incidences happened where George got deported because it found out that George was underage. So he got deported. Paul McCartney and Pete Best got deported for arson, which is a funny story, a side story, but they had a drunken night where they lit something on fire and they got deported. Um, So it was only John Lennon and Stu that were remaining in Hamburg. So John was like, well, I guess I better go home because I'm the only one here that's left. And so John was about to go back home And he was like, Stu, are you coming home? And Stu said, no, I'm staying here with Astrid. Um, So Stu stayed behind for the time being. And actually, while Stu was there in Hamburg and he was living with Astrid and Astrid's family, he applied to get a scholarship to an art college in Hamburg, which he did attend. This was in July of 1961. So a year later, he stayed with Astrid for this time. And he was very, very, very happy about this whole endeavor. He thought this was really cool. And he just loved being in Hamburg. And he actually told Astrid that if he could, he wanted to be maybe an art teacher, whether in London or in Germany in the future. It wasn't certain where he wanted to live, but he knew he wanted to keep pursuing art because that's what he really wanted to do. So all the Beatles, they went back to Liverpool and Stu stayed in Hamburg with Astrid for the time being. The Beatles would eventually come back to Hamburg a couple of times here and there to keep doing some residencies, but not a whole lot. Um, They would come back once in March 1961 to Hamburg and they would hang out with Stu and 
He would show them the art that he would be working on and like what he would be doing at school and things. And they loved that Stu was having fun. But the thing that people didn't realize at the time that was very serious was Stu was very ill. He was sick. Stu would have these random headaches and apparently he would be very averse to light. He was getting these really bad, what maybe you would consider severe migraine headaches, I would say, um, that would just come and go of their own accord without any explanation. According to Astrid, some of these headaches would leave him temporarily blind, which is kind of crazy to me that that would happen. It got to a point where in February 1962, Stu collapsed during an art class, and Astrid's mom had German doctors examine him, but they were unable to determine the exact cause of Stu's headaches. They weren't really sure why he was getting these headaches. Uh, the doctors suggested that Stu return to the UK and have himself admitted to a hospital with better facilities to see if UK doctors could see anything. So Stu went back to the UK, got admitted into the hospital, but when he was there, the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with Stu, which was very strange because he clearly was having issues with his brain and they couldn't find it. Maybe the technology was just too primitive back then to determine this. Who knows, really? Stu ends up going back to Hamburg. Like, well, the doctors can't find anything wrong with me, so I must be okay for what it is. And he just went back to Hamburg. He continued living his life with Astrid and her family, but unfortunately, his condition would soon worsen over time to the point where he would collapse again on the 10th of April in 1962. Astrid would end up taking Stu to the hospital, riding with him in the back of the ambulance, but unfortunately... It was on this very day that Stu died in the ambulance before he made it to the hospital. Before he made it to the hospital. Now, Stu's official cause of death is a brain hemorrhage, specifically a ruptured aneurysm resulting in cerebral paralysis due to a severe bleed in the right side of his brain. And Stu was only 21 years old, so it's extremely... It's extremely eerie and it raises alarm bells when a 21-year-old dies of a brain hemorrhage. People have been wondering for years, literally he's been gone for about 61 years, roughly, something like that. I can't do math off the top of my head like this, um, but he's been gone for a long time. Uh, people have still been asking questions as to how Stu ended up with these severe headaches. How did it get to this point where he died of a hemorrhage? Like what happened? But some people believe that Stu actually got these headaches as a result from a head injury that he received in January of 1961. And they were performing at this club called Latham Hall. And apparently from what was heard was Stu was out back in the alley of this club and some people, some tough guys, had ganged up on him for some unknown reason and started beating him up. They either kicked him in the head or threw him against the ground or something that jostled his brain around, some people think, because John Lennon and Pete Best actually went to Stu's aid, fighting off his attackers before dragging him to safety. 
Apparently, Stu sustained a fractured skull in the fight, and John actually broke his pinky finger in this fight too, so this fight was documented and it did happen. People think that this could be the reason why later on he then just kept getting these headaches. Stu, for some reason at this time, refused medical attention, and he failed to keep an x-ray appointment to see if he had any sustained injuries to his brain. So, unfortunately, we don't know if this injury could be the exact cause of his headaches. However, I think one could maybe make the link from point A to point B that, yeah, I think that's probably the most plausible thing. It doesn't take much for the brain to be injured in some kind of jostling or some kind of fight or some kind of hard injury or something for you to then develop these kind of migraine type serious headaches that lead to a hemorrhage of some point, especially when it goes untreated for over a year because he died in April of 62. So it was well over a year that he was battling with these headaches, like severe headaches that left him debilitated. So it's very strange. It's very unusual because again, he was 21. He was very young. So people think that that's the reason why he ended up getting this head injury. Some people believe that John Lennon himself gave Stu the head injury by fighting Stu one day and knocking his head around. That's what some people believe, but I wouldn't believe that to be the case because John really admired Stu as a best friend and he wouldn't just do that. I would be very hard pressed if that was the case. So I could believe that Stu got into some kind of altercation with some strange teens or something and he got beat up. So I could believe that more than John Lennon beating him up. That doesn't make sense to me. But whatever that you want to believe, something had to have happened for Stu to then get these headaches. And I think that's the most plausible because their booking agent, Alan Williams, also attested to this fight. So there's a lot to back up that this fight with Stu at this alley at this club happened where, again, he either got kicked in the head or they threw him against the wall or on the ground or something, and he got a head injury. Something happened. Um, but regardless of that, he died at 21 of a brain hemorrhage. Three days later, on April the 13th, Astrid met the Beatles at Hamburg Airport because they had come back to Hamburg to do some more residencies at a couple of clubs and to see Stu and Astrid. When Astrid met the group at the airport, she looked very sad. And John was like, Astrid, what's wrong? And where's Stu? And Astrid said, John, like, Stu is dead, uh, which is crazy to think that that even happened. And then the result of this was really interesting. George and John would end up going to Astrid's house around this day. I, it could have been this day or it was around this day. They went to the house that they lived in and they went up to the attic where Stu would do his art. And his art was still like around his space, like his canvases were everywhere. And Astra took some pictures of John and George in mourning. And they're very sad and somber. Like there's a couple where John looks out the window. There's one, I believe, where John is sitting on a stool and George has his hand on his shoulder. I think they both look very sad. Um, but Astrid just started taking pictures. Um, and those pictures are very sad, but it shows two friends in mourning. But John more so because John 
was very close with Stu. Stu would always remain close to John's heart. What's interesting as well, actually, on the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, there's actually an homage to Stu where they had one of the cardboard cutouts because, you know, on the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, they had a bunch of different cardboard cutouts of different celebrities. Well, they actually had Stu in that lineup as well. So they paid homage to him. They always did pay homage to Stu. But those early pictures, you can find those. They're pretty interesting to look at. Again, they're like snapshots in time, snapshots into a person's mind when you're going through grief. It's very um, poignant. It's interesting. But that's just a little fact I wanted to put in there. Stu's mother would end up flying to Hamburg with the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, and she returned back to Liverpool with Stu's body to be buried at home in Liverpool. And so that, in a nutshell, is the story of the fifth Beatle, Stu Sutcliffe. I would consider him the fifth Beatle. Some people consider George Martin to be the fifth Beatle. Some people consider Brian Epstein to be the fifth Beatle, which is fair enough. But I truly consider Stu to be the fifth Beatle because he was actually a member of the Beatles. He was so inspirational to many people, not just the Beatles, but in his 21 years of life, he inspired Astrid to take pictures, to mess with his hair and create a different kind of look for the Beatles to adopt, which then became so massive. It's because of Stu, really. Yeah, it's just very sad. And I feel like Stu's story and who he was as a person needs to kind of be brought back to the Beatles lore because without him, I think the Beatles would look a little bit different. Those Hamburg days between 60 and 62 are really fascinating, but I just thought I would talk about Stu today because he deserves some spotlight. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. I hope that you guys have a wonderful day and that you learned something that you hadn't known about before. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.